The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Hi, podcast listeners. I'm Andrea Ross, your host on Talent Talk Asia. This is a three-part series on built environment, and I'm joined today by Marcus Davis-Bateman, who's the Managing Director at Cobalt Recruitment based in Singapore. Marcus is probably the only recruitment leader in Singapore that in his previous life, life was a police constable. It doesn't get more interesting than that. After policing the streets of Dorset in the UK, Marcus embarked on a career in recruitment at Cobalt Recruitment as a rookie consultant, moving up the ranks to managing director in 2013. Cobalt Recruitment specialised in financial services and accounting, property, construction and engineering. In today's episode, Marcus will be sharing further insights into the sectors that Cobalt focus on, how COVID-19 has impacted the business, both positively and negatively, and it also share more on initiatives such as Cobalt Cares and ways in which he as a leader has been managing his workforce remotely and lessons he's learned along the way. Hi, Marcus. That was a long intro, wasn't it? Thank you. Peter, I need to just calm down now. That was an, how are you feeling after that lovely little intro? Ready. And thank you very much for having me. You're absolutely welcome. So tell us a little bit more about Cobalt, if for those that aren't so familiar with you guys and girls. Yeah, so we've been going for nearly 20 years now, set up originally in the UK. Um, now I've got offices in UK, Europe, mainland Europe, New Zealand, obviously Singapore. Um, and most recently we opened up New York, so that's our exciting new venture, even in oh, these tough times. exciting. Yeah. When so did we, you set up there? When did you set up so we, in New York? We formally opened in January, but we had our guy on the ground um, at the end of last year, uh, Nick, wow. um, who's got about 20 years experience. So really excited by what he hopefully will be able to do once we come out of, uh, out of these tough times. Yeah. What's he doing? What's he specialising in over there then? So the same as what we do, but the focus initially is going to be core uh, built environment. So very construction focused, okay. construction projects bit of asset management. Interesting. Okay. So what's Nick's surname, just in case anyone wants to reach out? Nick, Nick Powell. Um, he's a good Nick guy, Powell. actually. I've been chatting to him already this morning. He doesn't oh, seem to go to sleep. So uh, oh, really? I hope <laughs> he's doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's start from your career coming from a plod to consultant. Um, I just I, lo- I just love that. I think loads of people have told me the story of you being an ex-policeman. I think it's kind of a story that just goes around. Oh, you know, Marcus, yeah, do you know, you used to be a policeman. So I just love that you were a policeman before entering recruitment. So was there anything in particular that has helped you do what you do now because you came from being um, in the police? Yeah, it's funny enough, it's probably the most asked interviewee 
question that I get. Is and, it? Uh, is it? <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's a bit bit unique, really. My time in the Dorset Police Force it was fairly short, and only being a few years. But I mean, I'm lucky to work with some pretty amazing people, and the job they do is, really is underappreciated. But I suppose mm-hmm. the standout skill is being professionally trained in how to to interview, um, you know, criminals. So uh, taking yeah, a job brief or interviewing a candidate is slightly easier than that. So I, I hope some of those, I, I hope I still remember some of those skills that I learned. As, as we know, in recruitment, you do tend to... Oh, so so you're doing the well. whole funnel thing then? Is it the whole funnel? It'd be the funnel thing, won't it? Well, that's I can't possibly like tell you. I might something. be doing it to you at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you did it for how many years? So I was in there for just over, just over three years. Um, right. Yeah, all down in, so I was working in Poole in, in Dorset, which is neighbouring to Bournemouth. So was it high crime rate or is it just all sort of country bumpkins? <laughs> it probably, if you compare it to someone in the Met, it might seem like a walk in the park. But I mean, you'd be surprised just how much there is going on that you don't see. Um, yeah. You know, and down in the, in the countryside. They have the same problems, just on a different scale to just anywhere else. Behind, so, close um, behind doors, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, actually, there is a program on, I think, Channel Four, and it is all about. It's a police program, and it's 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 on either Dorset or Devon or somewhere like that. And actually, it's a massive drugs problem down there, so, <laughs> yeah. so you can't actually. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you don't necessarily expect that from these little little towns in the UK. So, what made you decide to move out? of you know a, a steady career or at least a you know you, you most people can stay in the yeah. police for a number of years to get into recruitment because it just seems you know completely completely different what made you well, decide to do that probably wasn't a uh, decision it was more sort of fell into recruitment i guess like so many so many of us in this industry and i mean i was quite well back in 2005 so i joined cobalt in 2006 but go back to the boxing day 2005 and I'd played rugby um, a few days before that and I'd broken a rib, which is genuinely one of the most painful things you can do. It? it doesn't seem like much. Yeah, it's, it's absolute agony. So on anyway, Boxing Day is at my mum's house. Family had gone out for a, a walk, walk with the dogs um, and I was lying on the sofa. Anyway, we'd had seven spring spaniel puppies at the oh, time. and cute. Yeah, really, really cute. And my mum had spoken her her friend is our neighbor and she'd spoken to her and her son was down for Christmas who had a little boy so she had arranged for him to come round and play with the uh, puppies but I didn't know this anyway the doorbell rang and I was slow getting up off the uh, sofa I broke ribs and hobbled over anyway he was a bit impatient he'd wandered around the back and was peering in through the windows and obviously I had my policeman's hat on. And I thought he was, <laughs> I thought he was casing the joint out. So I went out there and sort of, you know, confronted him. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Anyway, um, lo and behold, it was the owner and co-founder, and now my boss, Adam Walker of Cobalt, and his son. <laughs> no, so was, that's a brilliant story. <laughs> pretty random, and obviously that's pretty completely good, random. Pretty good salesman, so, so he managed. To, yeah, within a month or two I found myself up in in the big smoke and started with Cobalt in February 2006. So how did he persuade you to come over there did you just get talking to it or yeah. just had a few drinks and just yeah it was obviously a few drinks I think um <laughs> <laughs> yeah well Marcus do you want to live the dream today? right yeah I think um 
Yeah, I had a hangover, so you caught me at my low ebb. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, is that... The Greek companies were growing, Cobalt was growing really fast, and, and I guess he was looking for uh, potential new hires under every stone he could uh, could un- unturn, so... Uh, yeah. Well, you probably yes. thought you were tough, tough enough to deal with recruitment. A few uh, probably thought you were pretty resilient then if you were in policeman before. Yeah, um, I think so what... probably the other way around, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, these days, definitely. What do you miss most about being in the police? The people. I mean, lucky to have mm. the same sort of type of people in recruitment. But uh, I think, you know, there's an amazing sort of sense of humour and sort of camaraderie in the police. and. I'm pretty mm. big on on sort of working as a team and and the collective, and I I'm still in touch with some of the the amazing characters I met. Not not all fifteen odd years ago now, but that's yeah. definitely what I would uh, look back on really fondly. Yeah, would do you watch um, do you watch any sort of police programs and go, no, that's just complete rubbish. That's so <laughs> not true. What the hell? I've... Or is it quite accurate? I've stopped doing that. And now I can't really remember. I mean, my brain is full of recruitment knowledge, right. of course. <laughs> it's all been wiped out now, Absolutely. your days in policing. <laughs> it's not quite how it is in reality and what you see. But some of them are really good. Like Broadchurch, for instance, is set down in a, in a um, fictional town in Dorset. Um, yeah. And things like that, are, I mean, yeah, pretty accurate, I- but they're good fun. I can't watch that program because the guy that the the main actor in that is a spitting image of my husband. Yeah, he always play. He always he always plays a psycho or something. Generally, David Tennant. So I always get messages from friends saying your husband's a psycho again. I was like, I know. <laughs> anyway, um, so similar similar to my own background, you started as a rookie consultant and you worked all the way up to an MD, which I love to hear stories like this. So, had you always thought when you first entered recruitment that? that you wanted to go for the big job or was it just kind of a, you know, a, a progression over time? No, not, not really. To be honest, I was probably most intent on proving to my colleagues that I hadn't got the job because I was the boss's mum's friend's son. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my motivation. You had more to prove. You had more to prove. Make sure they're on mm. merit. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I can get that. So did you feel then that you had to work a little bit harder or show that there wasn't any kind of bias at all? Yeah, definitely not. I don't think anyone ever made me feel that, but I, I think that, I don't know, that was just the, the burning sort of feeling in myself and used mm. it to motivate me. You know, and, no, and I, I can think absolutely relate to that. Mm-hmm. Work, work quite quite well in the early days, you know, head down and, and just get on with it. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was good fun. So is the boss who you just mentioned before, is he still the boss? Yeah, so we've the got founder. Yeah. two two co-founders. So we've got uh, Adam Walker, who's the the neighbour's son back in the day. Right. Um, and uh, <laughs> Tim Rowe. So, yeah, we're still owned by the two guys that set it up back in right. 2001. So, yeah, coming up to our 20th right. year anniversary. Wow, that's nearly. awesome. And they're based in the UK then? They're both based in the UK? Yeah, Tim Tim's in the UK. Adam's based, been in Dubai now for... We should know this five, six. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. eight years. Yeah. Okay. You, you don't, do you have a Dubai operations? You don't, no, do you? no, we don't. Oh, interesting. So he's, yeah. got, he sits there, but hasn't got a, has, maybe chooses that. Maybe that's his choice. <laughs> he's, taking a, he's taking a backward step. Um, no, yes. to, to be honest, there's still pretty, I mean, 
James Wakefield's our CEO who, who runs the show and um, he's great. He's ex ex army used to work for Michael Page. I met, and, I met James, didn't I? Is James one that looks like the comedian <clears throat> Jack Whitehall? A yeah, little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Does. <laughs> Not quite as funny know, as him. But he is funny. He is genuinely funny. <laughs> if you're listening, James, I think you're really funny. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so talk me through what it took to get you to MD. If someone's looking at that role long term, most people don't ever want the MD job, to be fair. <laughs> they think it's kind of the toughest job. But if someone was looking to get out the career ladder or be their own boss and run their own recruitment firm or their own business, what did it take for you personally to get there? You know, I, I, it's a good question. And, you know, I look back and I think I definitely had my fair share of, of luck along the way. Um, you know, I had the support of, of Tim Adams. You've been too humble now. You've yeah. been humble now, God aren't you? Like, so, God, God is such drop, a good trait in you, Marcus. Right? <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I, I guess my, I always had a, an attitude, a musty, can-do attitude, a fighting spirit, mm-hmm. which I guess is even more important with where we are today. And I think, you know, I didn't yeah. set up my own business, but I set up Singapore and um, it was, you know, important to have that sort of toughness in how you go about it, I think, um, yeah. and, and being honest and, and a team player. So, which I always used to love playing um, rugby. I found that that certainly helped me on my mm-hmm. journey along the way and and then having the the faith the trust from the the guys above to support me I like that I like that and what did um what what do you like if you were to if you had someone that was looking to do that in a role now other than sort of the hard work the team having supportive bosses what did do you think was the most important thing for you personally was it the longer hours was it more time with clients was it going above and beyond like what what was it specifically that you would say you know what that was that has been the most important thing for me in my own personality that's made a bit of a difference that you that perhaps you see in other people within your own office i wouldn't say long hours although i actively encourage long hours if any of my team are listening <laughs> um i don't know i think Nobody probably no. <laughs> <laughs> probably okay. attitude I think is probably one of the key okay and, and that's in what way it, in what way well, having I, I a bad think, one <laughs> yeah having a bad one good attitude can do willingness to learn not being afraid to make a mistake not, not being mm. afraid to admit making a mistake is probably mm. just as important you know and, and there may be a little humility in there as well I think that goes yeah quite a long way yeah I love that thank you very much for sharing that what does it mean for you now to be running a business like Cobalt? I mean, immensely proud of of running Cobalt. I'm a one recruitment firm guy, like Matt Letizier of the recruitment world. Um, <laughs> maybe that he was quite good actually. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm working probably with not probably with the, the best group of recruiters, the most talented ones that I've had the privilege to work with in 15 years of doing this particularly here in Singapore but also in other offices and we talk a lot as talk about the sort of cobalt family as cheesy as that is but I guess um you know that's the part that really um I find you know most pleasing in where I am at the moment you know they may not <laughs> they might, might not say the same about me but I think it's a pleasure <laughs> to work with them 
When you said that Cobalt family, so when people are looking, when you're hiring people or, you know, bringing people on board, how do you describe or how, what do you look for in people to come on board then? What is it that makes that person part of that family? What are the traits and characteristics I, that? Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we, we always talk about hiring, um, you know, new guys or girls into the business and it's, you know, we don't judge them purely on their recruitment ability. You know, it could be a million dollar biller, but be a bad egg influence yeah yeah Um, yeah, absolutely so you know I guess there's a feeling you know almost an intangible feeling you get the vibe from the people so it's hard to really describe what that is but we you know we're pretty flat structure so you know like I'm sure like a lot of other firms we we encourage all of the team as many as is is appropriate um to meet with the guys and it becomes a little bit more of a collective decision bringing somebody on board so it's not way, like a psychometric then or anything like that that you initially do. It's more group interviews and everyone's sort of focusing on different areas to see if they, they gel with yeah. they gel with that person gels with everyone. We we do a, a, a the Thomas International um, psychometric test disc one mm. beforehand. Mm. But we've kind of become that sort of, you know, it's not a defining um yeah influence on whether we bring somebody on or not it kind of comes yeah. down into that gut feeling and I, yeah. I don't know whether it can make it any more scientific than that yeah we, yeah. we don't well there always, is science behind it you probably just don't even see it like you've done it for so many times and everyone's kind of got a groove on that yeah. they probably don't even realize that there actually is certain things that they that gut is based on something probably isn't it yeah um, yeah probably probably right and you know we've got a pretty well-oiled way of going about it and you know, I think it's speaking to people on the level and, and engaging mm. with everybody to, mm. to have a, a conversation on, you know, where they're at. I suppose it's shared goals as well, right? And if you've got somebody yeah. who's got shared goals or ambitions, you know, typically yeah. they're coming from a similar space or operating in a similar way and that can, can really yeah. help. Yeah. Well, we just did the strengths, didn't we? The Gallup strengths on all your teams. And that was interesting to you, know, <laughs> you and some of the other senior leaders have seen where all those strengths lie. But it's things like that that you can kind of get, get a feel for where the um, where the top talent sort of lie. Um, I know that when, what we found sort of what was quite successful sort of interviewing was what sports people do. I know you mentioned before about mm. being a rugby fan. Not everyone's into team sports. Sometimes it could be an individual sports. I mean, there's some great some great recruiters out there that are fantastic runners and swimmers it isn't always team sports but it's just it's just having somewhere that's got where they're goal orientated yeah it's been to assess you know if it's dragon boat racing on a weekend or that was one area that we used to always focus on not the only one obviously when it came to interviewing people but it was a really good way of seeing what that person did on the weekend the other major factor was whether they had Saturday jobs or or how yeah. are they funding themselves? I mean, it's not so common here in Singapore, for instance, no one has Saturday jobs or anything like that. But um, what are they doing to kind of help the family or do above and beyond things that aren't always necessarily uh, going to school? Yeah. Or just going straight into a job. What are they doing extra? That yeah, kind of for sure. The, sort of the extracurricular side, yeah. bit of activities, right? It's quite a good yeah. insight into someone's mind and so what yeah. drives them, what they enjoy doing. Yeah. What yeah, they're definitely. made of. How would you how would you describe your leadership style? I know there's so much written about it, isn't there? You know, all the different directive and coaching and affiliative and all these various all different names for them. But how would you if I was to ask some of your top leaders or I gave AJ a call or uh, Aj a call or um Sumen and ask them what your don't, leadership don't do style that. would be? <laughs> do it right now. Be a li- yeah. live podcast. Um what what do you um 
what would you say, you know, how would you describe it? I, I think I try to lead by example. I think it's pretty important and we've all mm-hmm. had experiences or heard of experiences, you know, do as I say, not as you do. And I, ju- I just don't mm-hmm. think there's any place for that in any, any career or industry or whatever it is. So I think it's really important to work as a team, be part of that collective. And I guess, I guess that goes back to like your previous question about sport and, you know, being mm. rugby um, was a large part of my growing up. And, and I think that's something that's really important. That, and I guess, is, you know, it's a privilege to lead people. Um, so we've got to listen and learn. And again, going back to what I said, sort of not be afraid to make mistakes or admit mistakes. It's mm. not necessarily mm. a weakness. Um, mm. It's, uh, it, yeah. Is that, pretty, is that something important. you encourage? Is that something you encourage within the team then about them making mistakes? I think they is just that, point out all the mistakes that I make. That's <laughs> 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 no, not, not quite the point that you wanted, is it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, for those sort of emerging leaders that are coming up, because obviously there's a lot of people that are on the path to be leaders, what advice would you give them um, that you would have liked to have perhaps known in? you know, way back back when you were an emerging leader and maybe prevented a few mistakes that you might have made along the way? To speak to you, of course, Andrea, and uh, the <laughs> career establishments, I think that would be the start. <laughs> Thanks for that, Club. Thanks. I'll, pay you, I'll, pay, I'll pay you later. Other than that. <laughs> um, I know, I was, I was thinking about, about this and the three words that, I mean, there's an awful lot of advice, right? But I think... Yeah. Three words is, is attitude, is communication, and then a little humility. Um, I yeah. think that goes an awful long way. Um, I think if people think they've just got to be, you know, so out there and, and sort of big, brash and ambitious, and, mm. I, you know, that's, it's a balance the other way, I think. So I think uh, humility is something that I've hopefully learned, and I guess it's a continual learning journey. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting how what like yourself and other those you know the attitude the um, community or com- communication did you say communication yeah, yeah communication and humility it's very different than that kind of Jack Welsh iron fist type of leader you you know directive you do as I say you know it's kind of that pace setting type of leader it's very different now isn't it it's gone the other way it's that growth mindset it's more collaborative you know it's it's just it's completely swung the other way it's interesting isn't it how how times have changed and organizations that want to be staying ahead and innovative and being profitable do need to to change their styles if they want to get the best out of the people that they lead yeah absolutely i mean uh, i guess it's you know the evolution of of sort of the workplace of leadership yeah mankind if you want to go even further by i guess yeah you know the world has changed and everything's a lot flatter and access to more that you can't be the the iron fist you know, mm-hmm. dictating and telling yeah you know, you've got to listen and learn because there's some really bright people that can share you know what they're doing ideas and you'd just be so yeah. remiss not to listen you know and learn from that rather than just try and impose your iron say the iron fist and, and ideas yeah. upon them yeah for sure yeah yeah so let's let's move on to kind of the the market conditions now. I don't, you know, we, we won't spend too long on on COVID. It'll start getting depressing, won't it? But you know, what's happening? What's happening in your sectors right now? You know, which sectors have been affected the most? 
Yeah, I think safe to say that we've all been affected, you know, in some shape or form by it. And I guess it's the degree to which that um, has been affected. Looking at um, and breaking built environment down into sort of slightly more um, specialised areas. The real estate, I mean, real estate is, is the fabric of everything we do in life, right? You know, we live, eat, sleep, commute in real estate. So it's always going to be there. And, and with that comes an element of robustness. So a lot of the real estate work is still needing to be done. It's just waiting to see how, um, how to go about doing it in this new norm. Can I pause you for one second? What I forgot to ask you beforehand was, can you just give a quick synopsis on what built environment means for people that aren't from that industry? Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vinceri, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Yeah, so for us, I mean, that's a good question. I'm probably people looking up their dictionaries and telling me that I've got completely the <laughs> <laughs> idea of what so I don't yeah. actually know. Um, so for us, I mean, built environment is, is everything in and around us. Um, so if you were to look at the, an easy way to look at it or how I would look at it is you look at the life story of a house, right? A house anywhere yeah. you live, a condo, HDB, yeah. a walk-up. And it's from start to finish, so what you, the land at the beginning, whatever it looked like, um, and mm-hmm. taking that land to building a house, to occupying that house, to maintaining that house, to upgrading that house, to selling that house um, and beyond. And, and that, okay. that for us is a built environment is that, and, and that would extend not just into sort of the building side of it, but also into infrastructure as well. So okay. working okay. with things like MRT, roads and what have you, which again all obviously feed back into you know, the buildings in and around us. So all of our work at Cobol, vast majority is with um, commercial real estate, so it's like offices, hotels, maybe less so now talking about um, areas that have been affected, um, hotel mm. being one of them, but you've got logistics, light industrial, retail, stadiums. Um, you know, one of the first projects I worked on back in the UK was um, the new Wembley Stadium. And obviously, it's not wow, anymore, gosh, but yeah. it was pretty cool at the time. And, you know, it was like groundbreaking in, in terms of technology and not how much it cost British taxpayer. But that's another story. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so, so when you're saying working on roles with the Wembley, what types of roles come out of that then? So that was mostly on the... So white collar construction side, so it's project delivery. Okay. So it's all about the, the people that are controlling and responsible for the development of the project. So it's how much okay. it's costing, making sure the spend, you know, don't overspend, that it runs on time and budget, and then managing all the. And as you can imagine, a project like that. It's so design, electrical, mechanical engineering, yeah. Yeah, and bringing it all in together. So they're they're the ones we're so hugely important. Kind of whether it's successful or not, that's really on these guys' shoulders. Yeah. So when you're saying areas that have been affected, obviously in the hotel side, I mean, obviously we know within Singapore here, the hotels are only busy probably housing COVID cases (laughs) (laughs) at the moment. But um, what other sort of sectors have been massively affected? 
retail what types of job types or levels retail yeah, yeah of course so yeah. and uh, singapore is you know a, a country that really embraces retail as part of the community you know you've got yeah. a lot of the heartland malls for instance which you know they've probably shifted in the time i've been here so came in 2012 and there wasn't really much of an e-commerce um mm. industry and I, I for instance i don't think you could do online shopping when i arrived and obviously now you've got no. No. all the various suppliers so that's changed but retail has kind of evolved with it to become more food and beverage and it's obviously been hit a lot harder and it links so closely to tourism and hospitality mm. it's somewhere where 40 40 or 60 percent something crazy of money spent is Chinese tourism coming in and spending wow. you know vast sums of money on Orchard Road and you know whatever the my shops are on Orchard Road that I don't shop at but, uh, but <laughs> yeah, obviously the high street's me. losing I have yeah. no idea about designer clothes I'm <laughs> definitely not the best person to ask that question um so what fact what sectors have you seen that haven't been affected so much yeah, you know, where, then, where have you still got jobs on? <laughs> I can't can't tell that because Samantha will be oh, no. listening. Oh. <laughs> I love your healthy rivalry. Hospitality, Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can tell me the right answer now, or at least give me an idea that <laughs> I think. I mean, it's, it's no secret that logistics has been a big boom area for the whole time I've been here. To be honest, yeah. A huge undersupply of logistics or has been in Asia and and now you know with the growth of e-commerce now we're all living and working from home you know an even greater dependence upon that and mm. I don't know the numbers but you look at Amazon and its value over the last two well mm. since the beginning of this whole crisis you know that will continue to filter through so there's an awful yeah. lot Zada and of opportunity and there yeah. still um and then the other one would be again linked to working from home as well as data centers you know there's a shortage of data centers i think facebook well facebook are building one at the moment which will be the most advanced data center in the world in singapore which is pretty cool but the, oh, the technology yeah yeah that's it's, really interesting so um, you're working yeah, on those roles have you project. just told a big secret have you just told no. a big secret or is it out there can't get in with Facebook, can you? <laughs> can, oh, can no one get in with Facebook doing their own thing, building their own internal talent acquisition, yeah. probably, aren't they? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me saying that, I'm, I could pretty much um, say that I'll never get on a podcast with Facebook. <laughs> um, has there been a surge in contract roles? Does that happen? Have you got a contract yeah. business? No, so no. We don't. Funny enough, I started off at Cobol doing contracts in London. So right. really a contract recruiter heart came here, having done some perma along the way and mm. and was quite surprised in our markets that uh, in built environment that there wasn't much of a contractor space. Whereas yeah, in the UK I'm surprised. They're quite reliant on it in the UK. Um, yeah. and that hasn't really changed. I mean, we've got a couple of contracts on it, but it's nothing to, to write home That's about. Interesting. It's more, because I would have thought it would be project-led some of those. If you're looking at, say, when you said about the Wembley, for instance, I appreciate there's not, it's not a Wembley here, but surely those would be projects, wouldn't they? So they would yeah. be finished over a certain period of time. Or we've, Yeah, we've tried to sort of look into to exactly why. And I, I think because the you – know, it's, it's a tough one, really, to, to assess and, and understand. But I think Employment part of it buys into you know, the risk-adverse nature of – 
of Singapore and having to have full-time employment. But yeah. Also, I think there's, there is a, a finite or a limited number of clients that are developing these projects or building them. And Singapore has invested so much into um, property and infrastructure that there's always more projects. So there isn't the worry that from a, an employer perspective that I need somebody just for this project because I've yeah. got another project um, to come on thereafter. Right. Um, right. But, there may, but there may be we're sort of having a bit of brainstorm around what may it may look like tomorrow, the new norm and, you know, statement of works is something that's becoming more and more um, prevalent, not yet in what we do. Um, but I, I suspect that might be, maybe not in construction, but digital transformation in, in, in the built environment, perhaps that would be something what does What does that mean? What does, when you say that, what does that mean? Uh, <laughs> Andrea, don't ask me these challenging questions. <laughs> it's, um... especially, on a, especially on a Friday afternoon, because I'm thinking the next hour I'm grabbing myself a glass of wine. So I'm, I feel like I need to ask you these really challenging questions. No, it's, so it's essentially putting together a, a project team of third-party consultants. It could be in any part of the world delivering on a project. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think you see it more in the technology space where you know, some of the, the best and brightest professionals aren't necessarily based, let's use Singapore as an example here. Got it, got it. Um, and they will be able to have these people come in on, on a fixed contract agreement, i.e. cost, but it'll be got a it. team providing that. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's a bit like a, you know somebody coming in on a fixed term contract, but they yeah. are a third party consultant. Well, that's yeah. certainly our our understanding of it. But it's not something that we've we've yet really um, had much um, interest in. Mm. I know we do more of it back in in Europe, which is <laughs> which is why my my answer is probably. James is probably saying, "Go on, there must be work there. There must be work there. Come on, come on." pushing it so from a um just from clients are you seeing people being let go at the moment sort of redundancies or scaling back on their hours or what 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 sort of market trends are you seeing fortunately not yet or very few of it i think that's good if you look at again the the parts of the built environment without wanting to sort of go into too much detail the real estate owners investors the funds they've they've got a lot of capital so cash flow is not a problem and a building doesn't go away, even if it's empty, like the whole CBD, there's still got to be looked after and managed and the, the value of it or the uh, financial performance of it um, is still there. So we don't expect to see too much there. Um, on the construction side, and obviously what's going on in the um, foreign dormitory workers, um, yeah. or foreign worker dormitories, which is obviously really sad, but... Yeah. We, we don't we don't recruit for the blue collar guys, um, but right. they are obviously so adversely affected that construction has just stopped, and the talk yeah. is it won't go back to site until um, October. And you've Whoa! Got, yeah, so pretty pretty nuts, really. Um, so I I don't quite know how that will. Um, well, you might see the impact of that a little bit further down the road, then maybe. Yeah, but I think the government is. Is really, I mean, really keen to support the construction industry um, because it, okay. you know, Singapore is you know, one of its biggest um, sort of industries is, is real estate and investment in that and construction yeah. and development and what have you. So they'll do what they can more than, say, the JSS scheme that we get job support as a 
recruitment firm, um, they'll yeah. be doing, or they are doing an awful lot more for these these businesses that have yeah. billions of dollar wage bills and people are sat yeah. not able to to do it. Yeah, that's really good. I want to I want to move back to sort of the internal talent side now. Now that um, you know, how have consultants adapted to changing times in in terms of their in terms of their actual approach to clients? Because obviously, you know, you can't be sort of ringing up and asking for jobs. Well, you can, yeah. but it won't necessarily go down very <laughs> yeah. well. So, how how have how have your business have the consultants really adapted to what's been going on in the last couple of months? Yeah. Definitely not the ambulance chasing old school <laughs> side of recruitment. Um, I don't think that, yeah, it's probably not the most appropriate. Um, I don't know. I've been really, really impressed with the guys that, you know, the initiative they've shown, the sharing of information. You know, I, I think it's, it's obviously really tough to keep focused for such a sustained period of working from yeah. home. Because you've been had... actually working from home quite a long time, actually, way before other people were. You were doing yeah. your rotation, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we had we have a work from home scheme anyway. But then I think four weeks prior to Circuit Breaker, we started full time work from home. Or well, we're doing Team A, Team B, but it was very optional to to come in. Um, and then obviously Circuit Break. So I I think it's like week eleven or twelve oh, or something. God, <laughs> I God. forget. Ugh. Yeah, it's um, a yeah. long old time. But I don't, I I guess the the thing that my guys are showing is genuineness and compassion in how they go about speaking to clients and it's like mm-hmm. checking in and and rather than you know what have you got what are you doing it's sort of how are you doing and, yeah. and the response of what people will share I think everyone's quite open to chatting and sharing stories yeah so it's yeah how- you mentioned before that obviously they're asking how are you um did you have to sort of sort of give them a you know did everyone have to get together and talk about how the approach was going to be different because I know some other recruitment firms that I do coaching with they've been doing kind of weekly online um sort of training with each other on you know how could we change our style what do we need to be doing more of you know just to just to upskill themselves because obviously they were used to normally um asking for roles you know some of the time so how did you guys go about having to um learn that new approach yeah, I think I'm a big believer in people having their own personality in recruitment. And you've got the phone bashers that are transactional but exceptional in what they do. You've got yeah. the relationship builders. Uh, um, you know, they, it takes them longer to get going once they go in. The, the trust and relationships are fantastic and mm. so on and so forth. And, and I think trying to remain true to that is really important. But we've we're moving, I think most recruitment firms in their industries moving from what potentially would be, you know, a candidate market to a job led yeah. market. And, yeah. and I think, and obviously this pandemic is, is absolutely unique in, in sort of bringing that on. And I think it's sort of, you know, encouraging people to have the confidence, you know, take the client off the pedestal. And sometimes that can be the case. And you know, everyone's mm. human. We are all in it together. You know, yeah. the feeling that you have of being on lockdown or circuit breaker and, you know, the challenges of working from home or homeschooling or have you, your client yeah. is going through the same and they're no more yeah. less important than you in that. So engage with them on that level. Yeah. So that's that common ground, isn't it? That yeah. we, we've never had that kind of situation before where, 
you're facing the, exactly the same thing as they are. Yeah, it's really unique, isn't it, yeah. in that respect? Yeah, really interesting. I'm sure there's going to be lots of studies being on this in the next yeah. few years that we can I also reckon, look at. Geez. Yeah, God. Um, what success stories can you share that you're right now immensely proud of the team achieving through COVID? So yeah, that's I, a proud I, thing. I think that's probably it. I think. Okay. You know the. The adjustment. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, how they've managed to keep, you know, great spirit because we've got, you know, a mixed bunch. We've got, you know, a, a, one guy who's got, you know, three kids, a, a young newborn, and a, and a family all together, wife all together, and that comes with challenges. Another that lives on their own, and and anything and everything in between, and you know, the spirit to keep going because it must, it does get pretty tough getting up and. You know, your living room is your office. Yeah, fall asleep on the sofa, and it's your bedroom as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I must say, I just find that fighting spirit that they, yeah, they've all got has been remarkable, mm. really, and you know, mm. keeps me going and making sure that I'm not yeah. the one that's sort of dragging dragging the heels, right? So I think that's probably takes a biscuit. We, yeah, I, I. I I think I think that's lovely that you shared that with um I know we've spoken a few times over the last few weeks and one thing that's that has come through quite strongly with me is just that increasing of communication that you've had with the team. You want to talk me through what's changed compared to obviously your face-to-face meetings. What are, what are you doing? What have you done that's that's ensured that you've kept that motivation how you've upped your um, one-on-ones with people talk, talk me through that because I think still you know some leads are still learning how to because you know for we know this work from home may go on for a little bit longer right so yeah. what have you been doing and that you can share they probably, the listeners? They probably think I'm bothering them too much right <laughs> I mean I, my I'm trying to have an afternoon nap Marcus for God's sake stop calling me <laughs> I know <laughs> they told me I could have had an afternoon nap as well <laughs> I, um, I, I, as much of the communication they've got as the communication I have with them, and I think as as teams, they all get together each morning and have a check in every morning on video. So we use Teams and Zoom, and okay, you know, whichever one's more appropriate for the size of group, and and they're okay. always engaging. And, and then we've got a rule that there should be, you know, obviously no telephone calls, but yeah, you know, emails are only if essential in the sharing of information. Otherwise. It's a click of a button away. So it happens a bit more organically, I think, um, the communication. And it may be a quick check, five-minute check-in um, about something, and that can come into like a welfare check or, or wherever right. they are or whatever they're, they're doing. And like I say, the, the same the other way, and them all communicating with each other. Um, I, I hate to think <laughs> what they say when they use the big wide world when I'm not there. Um, but, but you mentioned pretty... last night, you said last night you did a quiz as well. Yeah. You did a we... virtual quiz. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah, we, it was uh, the third one. Um, I I think it's great. So I've done the quiz. In fact, Wake's going to be doing next week's. Um, right. I quite like being the quiz master. But it was, yeah, it was, it was good fun. Um, I think. Everyone. So we've seen how creative can be, how creative people can be now virtually, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's quite incredible. What I mean, we did a quiz last Saturday with friends, and 
uh, the the hosts, the quiz masters, should I say, sent a, a famous picture on WhatsApp to all the group, and you had to recreate that famous picture. <laughs> so I, so at ten thirty on Saturday night, my husband and I are recreating some famous picture with me dressed as some nineteen fifties. Um, <laughs> office assistant, my husband, we change desks around, you know. We, yeah, so you know, it's just, I think it's amazing how this sounds like a these times, post, Andrea. You've got to share yeah, this, yeah, yeah. you've got to it's share a, it. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually not a bad one, it's not, yeah, I, I, it's uh, it's one I wouldn't actually be too concerned about sharing, maybe others <laughs> I would be, but um, but no, I think it's interesting that people have leaned into certain tools or techniques that they would never have ever really focused on or learned. I know it's the, the social yeah. side. That's one thing. Um, but from a work perspective, not everyone was that adept at using all the video conferences. Yes, just to jump yeah. on and have a chat. But in terms of breaking out rooms and um, share, you know, not everyone necessarily had used it that much. So I think it's just in that way, there are some positives out of everything. Yeah, um, I'm going to ask one last question. How long have we actually been talking for? Ooh, we've actually done 47, 47 minutes. I think Sam did 40, 46 minutes. Excellent. So uh, she would go, I won that God, one. You can keep God that damn in. It. <laughs> yeah, she, she'll be, she wanted me to add an extra two minutes on there now. Um, what does the future of Colbert look like? Yeah, it's to start with. And Colbert team, this should I week, say. This week we actually um, launched our new brand, so Cobalt. We've been working for the last just over a year on and the marketing team have done a great job on on who co what cobalt is, what does it mean? Because 20 years ago oh. it's very different to now. Yeah. And you know, what do we think it means as consultants and, and employees and what does it mean as colleagues, clients, and candidates? And so we've just launched and it, it goes officially live next week, but actually okay. the website's up and running already and it looks great. Right. I mean, new modern yeah. logo and dropping the recruitment so it's cobalt which is what we've always kind of called it so okay that's, you that's have exciting. dropped that okay that is good because yeah. I, I always forget that it's the recruitment so I think I think everyone does yeah. know it's cobalt brilliant yeah. yeah um so that's that's a big positive and building on that so the future is about really embracing that and the magnetism and chemistry of what cobalt is with our clients and candidates um in terms of you know what we'll what we our vision for this year's it's obviously changed but we're constantly sort of re reviewing and adapting and i think we've come around to and we always have but more important than ever is to invest in the people we've got in mm -hmm. in, in them and they've got to be an absolute priority in everything that we do without fail that is is my job now moving forward and to to really get get them help them in any way possible to to be the best that they can um, but that's not to say, I mean, Cobalt is, has always been a growing business and, you know, there's a couple of areas that we're, we would look at, you know, to bring in um, good and talented people, but only if they really complement what we do. So I dare say there'll be a, a couple of strategic hires over the coming months, um, maybe maybe not coming months, between now and the end of the year. Um, and then... Will you look at different disciplines or, you know, go into different areas, different offices in the future as well? Without wanting to give too much weight, no, not outside of our real core traditional okay. areas. I mean, okay. we lay on the edges anyway because real estate touches into everything. everything yeah. For instance, a Facebook building a data centre, right? And that's a, yeah. a digital media, social media platform. 
So yeah. there's there's great scope in what we do without losing the DNA of what we are as a business. I think okay. that's really important. We, we, we don't want to okay. be the biggest. We just want to be the best of what we do. Um, okay. And, you know, that's the closest to, you know, remain true to our, the cobalt core, the DNA. So but within that, there's all sorts of things that we're looking at, digital transformation in, in real estate, property and construction. You know, so... And so the I Cobalt think, Cares, I didn't ask you about the Cobalt Cares. Is that still something that's, uh, can you talk me through? Um, I think you've, are you still there? Oh, you're yeah, listening. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that a lot. Right? I always think that the, the screen is actually, um, um, what's the word? God, I can't even talk now. My, my, it's obviously getting to the end of the podcast that my mouth is uh, drying up. When you mentioned before about Cobalt Cares, talk me through briefly what that means and is that something that you're going to be incorporating focusing on um, in the future yeah definitely so I think in particular times like this we want to be able to do more and give back because there's a lot of people that aren't as privileged as us and cobalt cares is what we can do be it charity be it volunteering and, and what have you and and for instance next Friday um we have an opportunity to, to catch up with each other. We're going to do the Willing Hearts uh, food kitchen um, to prepare food oh. and, and meals um, for the morning. Uh, so that'll be good. So it's, it's just small gestures like that that actually yeah. most people at Cobalt genuinely enjoy doing or want to do. So it's not a chore or, or anything it's their like ideas, that. Yeah. It's their ideas that they put forward that they want to be part of. That's really nice. Okay. Yeah. So... Um, would you like to say any parting words before we before we finish off the podcast? Other than it's Friday and it's almost beer time. <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> no, don't say anything. She's already. She... No, I won't. <laughs> I'll give her a call now and tell her that I recorded longer than she did. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It was really interesting to hear more about the built environment, but also um, more about the organisation and the DNA of the team and what the future looks like for, for Colbert. So thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your beer, enjoy your weekend um, and over and out. Thanks very much. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.